0: Welcome to the Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 171 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Ashley Mack, and we are talking all things sciatica and low back pain, including the anatomy of sciatica and what's actually going on, common causes of sciatic nerve pain, and easy lifestyle changes to help improve your back pain. I was so happy to find that today's guest, Dr. Ashley Mack, is a total body nerd because we are absolutely on the same page when it comes to empowering you with the knowledge to move better and feel better. And I'm even more stoked that he has spent his time to focus on sciatica and helping more people move better and feel better and get out of that low back pain cycle. Dr. Ashley is a physical therapist, a movement specialist, and an entrepreneur, and after overcoming his own unrelenting back pain and sciatica as a college student, Ashley was determined to share the route to pain relief with the clients that he works with. He's been a licensed physical therapist for 10 years and is the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a platform for people suffering with low back pain and sciatica. And he believes that you can live pain-free without the use of surgery and medications. And with this system, he's been able to help thousands of people live free and recover from pain. So enjoy today's conversation with Dr. Ashley Mack. All right. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today and to nerd out. And I want to start in the same place where I always do, which is what do you like to get nerdy about?
1: Oh, well, Alex, thank you so much for having me. I love getting nerdy about the human body mostly from what i call like a biomechanical standpoint and i often tell my patients and clients that i work with even just people that i see on a day-to-day basis if i look at a human body like when i'm walking around the store and everything i actually take that image and i put it in front of the lime grip. and so it makes me start thinking okay well what kind of issues are they experiencing are they having any pain right now what type of asymmetries and it's funny because I catch myself doing that, and I start discussing it with my wife and my wife often <laughs> we we go on walks every single day, and then she starts getting used to saying like, "Oh, that person might have ankle pain, and that might that person might have some knee pain, and we end up just nerding out on that, and so, yeah, it's one of my favorite subjects.
0: Yeah, well, okay, we're definitely in good company because I do the same thing. It's also like once you learn how to spot stuff, you can't unsee it. And then the other thing that I do, I don't know if you do this too, but is like, you know, I'm walking behind somebody and also anyone listening to this is gonna be like, oh my God, I'm never going to walk. <laughs> like, I'm going to be like super conscious about how I walk. But if I see somebody and like their walk is, um, you're like, there's something going on, but I can't quite, you know, figure it out. I'll try to like mimic it and feel it in my own body. So yeah, I'm that person who's also walking weird down the street. So I'm like, what are they like? What's going on with that knee? Like what's happening there?
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You're 100% right. You can't unsee it.
0: Well, walking too, I think is super relevant for what we are going to talk about today, which is sciatica. Um, but I want to make sure like, that we're all on the same page. So can you explain to us like, what exactly sciatica is? I'm so
1: glad you asked. My biggest focus, especially when it comes to educating people and helping people manage this condition is first dispel a lot of the myths that get uh, projected that you see on the internet and trying to understand what exactly is sciatica. And if we were to say the true definition of what that is, it's, uh, it's a class of what is called radiculopathies. And radiculopathy in essence, means an irritation of a nerve coming from the spinal cord. And sciatica is actually irritation of the sciatic nerve that extends from your spinal cord and it runs all the way down the backside of your thigh. So anatomically speaking, we're looking at The sciatic nerve pretty much originates in the brain. So all your nerves originate from the brain. That's where you process information. And then it runs down your spinal cord, which is sheathed by your entire vertebral column. So it's kind of like this armored shell around your spinal cord. And then those nerves actually exit the spine via what is called a nerve root. So the sciatic nerve is actually formed by the nerve roots of L4. So the lumbar nerve root, L4, L5, and then S1, S2, and S3. And so those S's actually stand for the nerves that exit your sacrum or your sacral vertebrae, which is kind of the pelvis. And so from there, The nerve actually exits your spine and then actually forms into the sciatic nerve the moment it leaves your spine and then actually runs either, depending on what your anatomy is, it might either run directly on top of the piriformis, directly through the piriformis, or directly under. And so... We won't really be able to confirm that unless you had an MRI or you will go under a knife and they take a deep dive into your piriformis. But then once that nerve exits your piriformis, it's a really, really thick nerve that runs on the backside of your thigh and then it crosses at your knee. And then splits into two nerves below your knee, which supplies a sensation to the backside of your lower leg, as well as the front, as well as the top and bottom of your foot. So in, z- in essence, sciatica is an irritation somewhere along that nerve that presents itself as low back pain, pain that can radiate to your buttock, your hamstring, your knee, or anywhere below.
0: Yeah. So I had sciatica in And First of all, thank you so much for that super clear and awesome definition. When I was in college from a back injury, and for me, it manifested as foot pain. And I was like, you know, I did not hit my foot. And I was, you know, working as a student athletic trainer and studying exercise biology. So I was like, red flag, red flag. But I think that's something that people often miss is that if I have sciatica or also too, if I have back pain, it must be sciatica. And if I have sciatica or any type of pain through here, that they're always like one and the same. So I really appreciate you explaining how it could be from anywhere in that area.
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, the sciatic nerve is actually the longest nerve in the human body. And so because it's such a long nerve, there are many different areas of where there can be traffic jams, issues that can actually cause this nerve to get flared up.
0: Yeah. And in like if anyone wants to like nerd out and get super curious, I will link to it in the show description. But Gil Headley, who's my anatomy mentor, has a video of him dissecting the sciatic nerve. And when we say like, it's a big nerve, like seriously, it's like the size of your pinky finger. Like it's a big fat nerve. And I think you, like, before I saw it too, I was like, Oh, I mean, it's just like a nerve. Like it's probably like kind of wispy or like whatever. And then you see it and you're like, Oh my God, it's huge. It's a huge, huge, huge nerve.
1: Yeah. And nerves are really cool because if you look at the anatomy, you have these cells they're called axons and these cells are actually wrapped in this fatty tissue so if you were to create an analogy of like what a nerve is it's like a copper wire it's a wire that is wrapped in that rubber tubing that insulates it and they're really strong they're super stretchy and i remember when i did anatomy lab yeah we traced that nerve and it was i was so amazed on how robust this nerve is and then also how it can really be irritated anywhere in the body.
0: Yeah, seriously. And I think a common misconception is again, like if I have, you know, back pain, sciatica, whatever, then it's obviously because there's something structurally wrong with my back. So in your experience, what are some of the causes of sciatica? Like what's exactly going on?
1: So when I look at sciatica pain itself, I like to look at it in a a cross-sectional way because rather than, say, go on the internet and say, I have sciatica pain and you're given, say, like 45, like 15 to 30 different stretches and they're like, do this (laughs) to make sciatica pain feel better. What's really interesting is that if you do all those stretches or exercises at once, it might make you feel better, but it might make you feel worse. But because you have so many treatments, so many different options there it's going to be really really hard to figure out what is working and what isn't and so i like to look at it in kind of like a scientific method standpoint and so when it comes to cross-sectionalize i always like to start off at the spine um what's happening at the spine and if you look at the spine itself particularly the lumbar spine so pretty much the area lower your ribs to your pelvis you have five lumbar vertebrae and in those vertebrae the structures that could actually be irritating the sciatic nerve could be and you probably have heard this a lot are possibly herniated discs or bulging discs and then you also have this concept of arthritis or they call it spondylosis or degeneration you often hear concepts of uh, ddd degenerative disc disease and so those are probably the most common areas or issues that you would see. But then you can actually even move a little bit further down the chain into the pelvis itself. This is when we're actually looking at concepts like piriformis syndrome or back in the day when people were carrying really like big wallets. And they're putting it in their back pocket and then they're sitting there for hours and you're like, oh my gosh, my foot fell asleep. I recently, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we're talking about wallets, but recently on, on Instagram, I've been seeing these memes and I don't know where this reference has been coming from, but it just, it was saying something about like my, my, my money doesn't jiggle, jiggle. It oh, folds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it, yes. I don't know where that's from, but I just think it's I'll so funny. I'll
0: have to you then. <laughs>
1: yeah it's like my money doesn't jiggle jiggle it folds and i said huh okay and so you put a lot of irritation on the side of nerve there and then also interesting enough because the side of nerve runs down the back side of your thigh if say for example one of your friends decides to be a really great friend they kick you in the back of the thigh um they, <laughs> yes. you, you might experience some irritation right about there and then also you can have crossing of the knee it could it could be many different structures but i think the best way that i like to approach it is addressing the spine first and if you rule out the spine then you can look at the other aspects of the body and so that's what we're looking at okay is it the disc issue is an arthritis issue and there's many different ways for us to uh, approach the right stretches the right treatment for the specific cause of sciatica which we would be able to truly identify for me and how i work with is how you respond to various different movements and positions
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, understanding that, you know, if someone does have pain, obviously go work with a physical therapist who can, you know, see you in front of them who has all the information as well. But if that's not an option for whatever reason, are there some things like generally speaking that can be helpful, like whether it's just, you know, getting your wallet out of your back pocket or how you're moving that can help with like ease some of those symptoms of sciatica?
1: Yes. And so listeners, if you were to nerd out, just like me and Alex right now, if you just simply stand in front of a mirror, um, you'll notice a lot of really cool things uh, about yourself. So look at yourself in the mirror, try to orient some horizontal and vertical lines right behind you and see where your body is. The first step is identifying, do you have any sort of asymmetries? And when I'm looking at a client, I often look at where are their shoulders in relation to their hips. And so if you're doing Mm -hmm. that, the first thing, the first we want to make sure that your shoulders are stacked on top of your hips. If they're not, then the shift itself could be uh, a huge factor. From all technicalities aside, you can actually focus, you can actually find the right stretches for you. If you look internally and listen to your body and see what actually feels great. And so when I work with clients, I often ask, okay, what positions actually provide you some sort of relief and what positions actually increase your pain? And so if someone says, well, when I'm standing up, my sciatica pain is gone, but when I sit down, the sciatica pain really gets pretty bad, then I'm going to challenge the listeners, you guys, to see what about sitting is actually causing your pain. And then, so you can actually identify when you're sitting down, make some small adjustments, lean to one side lean forward, lean back, or maybe twist and see what that actually does to the pain yourself. So looking internally and trying to figure out what makes you feel better, do more of that. And then what makes you feel worse and do less of that activity and, or modify that activity so that you don't feel the irritation of, of that pain or those symptoms.
0: Yeah. And I so appreciate too, that you talk about how, you know, it's, there's not the one magic exercise. It's like, do this. And then like, it's gone forever. And it's like perfect and fine, but how you are moving about your day has a bigger impact on how your body feels and, you know, paying attention and inside movement mavens. We talk about being a body detective and having that curiosity to be like, Oh, I'm noticing my pain is higher. Like, how am I sitting? Am I, you know, like you're saying, leaning off to one armrest in my desk chair or Is that one desk drawer that I always get into only on one side? Like, could I maybe move that stuff to a different side or, you know, put it somewhere else? There are so many, like, without even thinking about it, things we do again and again and again, so repetitively throughout our day that just bringing some awareness and maybe adjusting them can make a huge difference.
1: a, A huge difference because I look at it, if we're exercising, Or if we're stretching or if you're seeing someone like Alex or someone like me and you're working with a professional, you're probably with them for 45 minutes to an hour. And if you were to look at the grand scheme of things, even in just a 24-hour day, a one-hour session accounts for only 4% of your day. And so Mm -hmm. that means that there's another 96% that we need to uh, address But even more of a bigger percentage, if we start to expand out into a week, depending on how often you are stretching in the first place. And I came to that realization pretty early on in my career because people would be coming to me and they would be feeling great leaving the session. And I would see them at the next treatment session, whether it be 48 hours or the next week. And they would say, Ashley, I am feeling terrible. And (laughs) during those times, I would really, I had this existential crisis being able to say to myself do I actually know what I'm doing or I'm actually helping these people? And then started challenging these constructs of, okay, you need to do these stretches or you need to localize your, your life into these specific time blocks. But then you look at the grand scheme of things, your day, what do you like to do? And how can you implement strategies to make you feel better? And then playing that body detective. I, I love that. I love that yeah. term body detective because that's what we are. Um, and that's what yeah. we should be as humans Is that when we identify, okay, we are experiencing this pain or this discomfort or something, trying to figure out, okay, what is causing this and how can I address this problem?
0: Yeah. Because I think, too, we're not really educated on things that come up and like, you know, sensations and things that happen. And I know both of us are on a mission to help kind of demystify the body in that way because you don't need to be a physical therapist or a personal trainer or a mobility coach to also be able to take care of your body. The number one question I get within the comments and my DMs and my emails is, I have this issue. What should I do for it? And I get, when you've tried icing and you've tried stretching and they're not really working, you probably are looking for a simple program that you can do on your own that actually works. And that's exactly why I put together the Mobility Mastery Toolkit. The toolkit includes 30 days of exercises so you know exactly what to do to improve the mobility of your hips, your lower back, your feet, your neck, and your shoulders. Plus it comes with video demos for every single exercise and a full body mobility workout calendar so you can check it off. And again, you don't have to think about what to do, you just get it done. And with all of those resources, you're just 15 minutes a day from feeling stronger and more flexible. As a Body Nerd Show listener, you can save 50% off when you use the code MASTERY at mobilitytoolkit.co. That's right. Use the code MASTERY, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y at mobilitytoolkit.co. And then keep me posted how it goes. Sort of on one thing you said, too, of like, well, you know, d- avoid the things that hurt. One thing that comes to mind for me, and I know you work with a lot of athletes as well, is so many care providers are like, oh, running causes your pain. Well, just stop running, which is not an option for many of us, whether it's our mental health or just like our identity, whatever that is. So like how how do we work around that when it comes to back pain and the activities that we love?
1: Yeah, well, it kills me to hear when they're told or they read that a specific activity is bad for them. I was an athlete my entire life and I retired from competitive swimming. I said, okay, now it's time for another activity. So I got into CrossFit and then I transitioned into martial arts. And with every evolution of these activities, as an adult, I pursued these physical activities because I thought they were so much fun. It actually helped reduce my anxiety. It kept me physically active and it just kept me engaged. And to be told that you couldn't do something fun, we were to go back to as a child and you realize that you found a really fun activity and your parents or someone you told, told you Mm -hmm. that you couldn't do said activity. It was a terrible feeling. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's even more as an adult, because as an adult, ideally we have a little bit more freedom compared to what it was like when we were children. (laughs) <laughs> and so in response to that, I'm in no place to say that a doctor is wrong. The doctors, other medical professionals, they have their own education, they have their expertise and they have their own perspective on whatever activity that they recommend against or for. And so whenever I get presented with that scenario, I try to come from a position of trying to understand as to why is, is this activity uh, bad for the person. But for those listeners who are like, man, I really want to get back into to this specific activity. And my doctor said, I couldn't do it. A couple strategies, strategy. Number one, it might be the fact that your provider might not necessarily have a full understanding of said specific activity. And I often see this a lot in people who do CrossFit because CrossFit, what we often see is what we see on ESPN, what we see on Instagram, all these people lifting heavy weights and moving really, really fast. And so if you have that perception that this sport, this activity is that activity, yes, it could be really, really scary. So being able to say, is it possible to find, uh, is, there, is there a physician or someone who knows about the sport a little bit more? Because it might just be more so from a position of not having true, full understanding. Um, the second part of it is trying to look at, okay, the activity itself there's multiple components of whatever activity you do whether it be swimming whether it be running tennis crossfit there's many different aspects because i love playing tennis but my definition of me playing tennis is me standing on one end of the tennis court with a ball in my hand bouncing it and then hitting it over and then not having to run to retrieve that ball like that's tennis to me i love playing that um <laughs> I know that for other people it's gonna be running and brawling and all that other stuff, but for me, with my my limited tennis skills, that is what I really enjoy. And so I'm lucky if I
0: even get a racket on the ball, so no stress. That's
1: <laughs> great. Um, I often tell people whenever I'm trying to do somewhat something somewhat core uh, that requires coordination, I would often just tell people, Well, I was born a swimmer, so I'm really good in the water, but on land, I'm a fish out of water. <laughs> and so uh, a big part of it is trying to identify what part of this uh, activity, what sequence of this activity is actually causing my pain. Is there a way for me to modify it or change it up, whether it be from a form standpoint or an intensity standpoint? There's a lot of factors at play that we can change as participants that can actually allow us to do that activity Without increasing our pain or without producing our pain in the first place. So again, playing that detective and saying, well, how can I, how can I fit this in without causing the pain itself? And this could be where you pair up with a movement coach or another physical professional so they can break it down.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's perfectly said too, because it's not my job to tell you like, no, you should never do that again. Um, But exactly what you're saying, how can we break it down and figure out what pieces of that movement we can improve and find like the clue that is leading to or increasing your pain and then work on that because that we can work on. But like, no, you can never swim again. Not an option, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually just recently had a uh, a client who loves swimming. And for some reason, every time they did a flip turn, their sciatica pain would come on. And so I could have easily said, you should just stop swimming. Mm-hmm. But she told me, flip turns actually bring my pain down. I said, okay, well, at this moment, we are going to hold off on flip turns and you're going to push off from the wall. Uh, for those who don't know what flip turns are, uh, once you get to the end of the pool, you do a somersault and push off the wall and then you flip over so you can still swim without losing your momentum. Uh, I was a distance swimmer in high school and in college. So I've gotten a lot of really good practice, uh, doing flip turns, but for some people it can get quite unnerving to be upside down twisted while you're also in zero gravity. Uh, but it's a, it's a great feeling.
0: So were you guys able to figure out what to do about that flip turn for your client?
1: Oh, yes. So what ended up happening was it wasn't the somersault that was actually causing the issue. But the if you were to visualize when you are, say, doing a front crawl stroke or what is known as freestyle, and if you're going to be swimming up to the wall, you should be doing a full somersault where you, by the time your feet touch the wall, your body's facing the ceiling or the sky depending on if you're swimming outside and then you push off and then that's when you reorient yourself to being face down and that's what a true correct flip turn should be but this client was actually doing a flip turn and twist doing a crazy spinal twist with the somersault and oh, that's wow. where the pain was happening and so to be totally honest, I wasn't there when she was doing the flip turn, but I was kind of describing, this is what a flip turn should look like. And she said, that's exactly what I do. And I said, oh, well, let's fix that. And then once we fixed mm-hmm. that, she was able to swim hours and hours uh, without pain, and uh, which is uh, kudos to her because uh, since I retired mm-hmm. from swimming, I, uh, I'm i okay never seeing the bottom of a pool ever again. <laughs>
0: That's funny. But yeah, I mean, that's also like why it's so helpful to work with somebody who is not in your body, who can help you, you know, think of things a little bit more critically or see things where you may not see them.
1: A hundred percent. It's kind of like uh, just a new set of eyes, a, a third party perspective. Mm-hmm. No one knows your body like yourself, but perhaps there is just something that you can't necessarily detect that can actually be truly seen from an outside perspective and the human body is so sensitive to changes and even just the small little adjustment will improve and I think this goes from it we'll say injury prevention and also sports performance and also pain management but it's this concept of uh, movement efficiency and the pain that we feel Uh, and we can talk about this another day, but ultimately the pain that we feel the pain. Um, now this is a difference. Like if you can experience discomfort when you're working out and discomfort is going to be necessary for you to get stronger, fitter, but if you feel like something's truly wrong and your body's saying, okay, please stop doing this. It's a signal from the brain to say, we need to make a a change. And oftentimes it's an efficiency change. We need to change the position so we can complete said task, better, stronger, faster, before we start wearing down uh, different parts of our body, whether it be our spine, our joints or our muscles.
0: Yep. Okay. So next conversation <laughs> it's in the books, but back to sciatica, are there any, cause I know you have a sciatica protocol that is completely, you know, super user-friendly that people can do. Is there like one thing, like one exercise, one stretch, one movement, whatever that anyone with back pain, you're like, yep, this is like my go-to. You got to start here.
1: I'm so glad you asked that. Most of the time, if this were me three to five years ago, I would say, no, there isn't one thing that will like make everyone feel better. But over the years, and especially now as the, the world continues to change, I think what is very overlooked is our ability to breathe properly. And the mm. thing is, is the fact that if we are breathing inefficiently. So uh, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, There's this term, it's this concept of, or this phrase is the fact that we are over breathing. That means that we're having a huge air exchange really quickly in and out, in and out, but we're also having very low oxygenation. And so what that means is that if we're looking at breathing, the exchange of gas, there needs to be a period of time where we inhale and inhale fresh air, fresh oxygen. There needs to be a point in time when that oxygen is in our lungs And then should exchange oxygen with the carbon dioxide that is found in our blood cells. And the reality is the fact that if you breathe really, really fast, you won't get enough oxygen, which causes you to breathe faster. And breathing itself, you might not necessarily be thinking about it, but it's an unconscious but also a conscious activity. And breathing requires many different muscles. Inhalation is a very active movement. It's actually the expansion of our diaphragm and our diaphragm should be going down, which means that as we breathe, our belly should expand to allow the air to go into the deepest portions of our body. But the reality is with life being so stressful, we can start shoulder breathing. We can have really tight upper traps. We can have really tight shoulders. And what's really, really interesting is the fact that if we don't give our diaphragm an opportunity to expand and contract, the other parts of our body, specifically our core and our low back, can actually tighten up. And if you have a really tight back, the spine is designed to move a little bit. You want it to be stable, but there should be a minimum level of motion. And so if we take a step back and focus on our breathing, then we're going to be able to have a reduction in pain sensitivity, a reduction in stress, a reduction in our tense muscles. And so, oftentimes, a fair amount of the clients that I work with, they're coming in, their shoulder breathers, their chest breathers, everything's super, super tight. So, what we're going to try to do is this term is called down regulation, kind of calming things down because when you're in pain, I hope we're all on the same page. Being in pain is terrible. And when you're in pain, your body kind of does these weird things. You create tension in areas that shouldn't. And so what breathing does, if we do it correctly, and I'll talk about it in a second, is that we regulate and we kind of calm everything down, allow the muscles to go back to its own resting place. So I often teach people, and I've had videos, and I think I've seen a couple on your your website too, about this concept of like belly breathing, 90-90 breathing. The Navy SEALs actually go through this thing called box breathing, which is... Uh, if you were to be breathing, you're looking at like a four second inhale, a four second pause, four second exhale, four second pause. And what that's going to do, it's going to tap into your system and tell it to just say, Hey, it's going to be okay. You don't need to be stressed stressed out. And it's this really cool mechanism that actually causes the body to relax. And that is actually something that i encourage people to do before they do anything that's going to be trying to address their pain
0: yeah which is i so appreciate you saying that too cuz i think that's um it's a lot easier to be like well do this one thing and you know do this stretch and like stretch your hamstrings or like whatever it might be but if those underlying inefficiencies or like movement faults or just like literal, like foundational pieces aren't there. You're just like trying to rebuild a house on an unstable base and it's never going to work. Um, but it's also like a really hard sell, like on social media, like it's not sexy, you know, it's like, let me show you how to breathe. But like, these are the things when it comes to like longevity and like actually getting back into that activity that you want to do and enjoying it without pain. It's standing, right? It's your positioning. It's your posture. It's how you're breathing. It's all the boring stuff. Um, so I appreciate you saying that because it's boring. I mean, I don't think it's boring, but I can see how people outside may think that it's kind of boring.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I I can't tell you how many times where... I'll go to someone or I'll work with people and I'm like, okay, first thing that we're going to do is we're going to help and address your breathing. And they're going to say, Ashley, I know how to breathe. I'm breathing yeah. right now. Why do I need to work on this? And you can tell <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, especially when people are, um, say very high stress, they, they want to get things done fixed quite quickly and you'll be surprised. It's, it's, yeah, it's very enlightening to have them break down to this breathing, uh, have them go through this breathing and say, oh my goodness, that felt amazing. Um, I also think uh, another really big tip is if you notice your pain increases with one activity and decreases with another, or even feels better, if you notice that you are feeling much more comfortable sitting than standing, then trying to do more of that activity will actually facilitate uh, healing and recovery. Not to say that everyone should be sitting for hours on, on end, but what I find is, and this is what I often tell with people who've gone through, uh, say like hip and knee surgeries and, um, just battling with arthritis in general is the fact that the human body is actually quite resilient. It's built to do all types of things. We're built to pick things up from the floor with a rounded back with, uh, you know, with some limitations with that. But the reality is like our bodies are capable of doing such amazing things. And it's kind of like, uh, I, I like to say like your body's like a car where you're driving your car every now and then it is okay. It's not the end of the world. If you're driving your car and your wheel hits the curb, it's going to mm-hmm. be a warning saying, okay, you survived this, but you should not be hitting the curve repeatedly. But if you hit the curb repeatedly, your tires are going to go flat. Your rims are going to be slightly mm-hmm. uh, damaged. And so you get those replaced, you fix them. But if you consistently drive your car into the curb, <laughs> that's where we're going to start to. We need to change our driving habits, right? We need to be able to change yeah. those things that we're doing throughout the day. And um, what's really cool, especially with sciatic, like with sciatica pain, is that if you know that your positions or your symptoms are influenced by movement, you can make it feel great pretty quickly. But you can also m- make it feel worse pretty quickly as well. And so that's kind of like the beauty of sciatica itself, as as painful as it may be.
0: Yeah. And the body is super resilient and it's endlessly adaptable and changeable to the types of inputs that we're getting. So even if you have back pain, sciatica, any type of pain, it doesn't have to be permanent. You know, it doesn't have to like, this isn't the be all end all for sure. Can you tell us more about your sciatica protocol and like how people can find it and how it can help?
1: Yeah. So the sciatica protocol was born out of this frustration where I can only help so many people one-on-one. So I wanted to be able to create this solution where people can experience relief without having to initially go to a a provider, whether it be a doctor, a chiropractor, or physical therapist. And so the way it works, it's a text program, and it starts off with filling out a quick little survey. The quick little survey will just help identify, do you truly need to see a doctor or, or do you not? Once you're cleared and you're ready to get started, it'll take you through a series of stretches and based on those stretches and your responses, it'll actually provide you a daily stretching routine that is actually going to be texted directly to your phone. So you don't have to worry about downloading an app or anything. And it can actually be found on my website, ifixyoursciatica.com. And it's listed right underneath the sciatica protocol and it's free for everyone. I wanted to create it as a gift because everyone should be empowered to feel
0: awesome. Yes, I love that. And we will link to it in the show notes as well for everyone to find. Thank you for making that as easy as possible, right? I mean, people, I don't check all my emails. So being able to access that kind of information on the phone is awesome. And where else other than your website, where do you hang out on the internet? Where can we find you and keep following all the stuff that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I have a podcast, um, which is called the Fix Your Sciatica Podcast, which is on both Apple and Spotify. I hang out a little bit on Instagram. It's called Fix Your Sciatica, all one word. And if you are not familiar with how to spell sciatica, it's S-C-I-A-T-I-C-A, which can often get misspelled. So yeah, the website's the best way to find me. And then you can also email me at info at ifixyoursciatica.com.
0: Awesome. Yes. And I will put all of that, like I said, into the show notes and description. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and nerd out. Um, And I feel like our nerdiness is only, we've just scratched the surface and there's more to come. So thanks again for being here today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So now that we are all sciatica- experts. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You don't even need to be an expert on sciatica or your own body to start taking the small steps right now that can help you to feel better overall. I loved his super simple story about just, you know, how you carry your wallet. If you have your wallet in your back pocket all the time, and that's, what's messing with your back. Maybe it's something even as simple as how you carry your purse, right? There are ways in which we habitually move our bodies or even stand all throughout our day and a little shift can make a huge difference. So let us know what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode, whether it's feeling like, heck yes, I can do this, or maybe starting to think about your back pain in a slightly different way let us know. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Hala You can find the show at Body Nerd Show. You can also find me on TikTok at AE Wellness. If you have a question that's going to be a little bit longer, leave me a voicemail. You can call the Body Nerd hotline at 818-396-6501. And before I go, don't forget that show notes, everything we mentioned today, including ifixyourciatica.com fun links, free downloads, all things podcast related, live over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And if you also had a wonderful takeaway from today's episode and you're really feeling like super generous, like you want to share, um, go ahead and leave that in a five-star review maybe four stars if you have to be brutally honest, but preferably five stars. (laughs) Subscribe if you haven't already and definitely share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Someone who has been stuck in that back pain cycle of feeling good and then not feeling good and then being back stuck on the couch waiting for it to pass. So thank you for taking the time to do any one of those. You are the best. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, saying goodbye to back pain, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks, and bodywork is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it.